Hi, Jason Gibbs, Joy Production Manager. It's Radiothon time. We still need Joy and we need your support. If you appreciate our free podcast service, our voice for the LGBTI community globally, and the volunteers that make our service possible, please sign up, renew your Joy membership, or make a tax-deductible donation before June 30 to keep our service possible. You may win a prize. Head to joy.org.au and click on either the Become a Member or Donate tabs to support us. If you appreciate our podcast service, let us know in the comments section when making your donation. Joy Podcasts, where you want them, when you want them, at joy.org.au and on iTunes. Rita! Shh! Read Her, the book club on the radio. The books are written by women who love women about women loving women. Rejoice in the written form, revel in the plethora of lesbian authors. Improve your clitoracy. The women of joy bring you Read Her. I'm still distracted. I can't even focus on what we're doing because I was I'm still thinking about what outtakes we're just talking about. Yeah. They're amazing every They're week. Gra- they do such a good job, those guys. Yeah. I think we should join together one week <gasps> and do like a film. Yeah. I think we've already chatted to them about that. Do like a film adaptation of a book. We've got one coming up that would be perfect. Yeah, that would be amazing. Anyway, yep. they're fantastic. Okay. Good work, guys. Love you, Outtakes. Yeah. And we're back for a second week. They didn't take us off the air. I know. It's so exciting. Welcome back to Neil. <laughs> Hi, Alice. <laughs> Thanks for coming. My pleasure. We are reading my absolute favorite author of all time, one of her best books this week, Monkey's Mask by Dorothy Porter. You've been excited all week about this one. I have, and honestly, for my whole life. That, uh, and that's fantastic. <laughs> I think I was born for this moment, so this is a big deal for me. It's a big deal. It's a big deal for anyone. Really super duper big deal for lesbians out there and like a ridiculously big deal for any lesbian who actually loves poetry. I know. I think that a lot of people listening, a lot of women listening have probably already read this book. Yeah. And if they haven't, you should go read her. Definitely. Do it now. So we just want to say, as opposed to last week, we're not going to give you any spoilers. So if you haven't read the book, you can still listen. Please don't leave. (laughs) (laughs) Don't switch over. (laughs) Stay with us. (laughs) And we'll tell you all about why you should be reading it. Yeah. The Monkey's Mask is an erotic lesbian crime novel written as a collection of poems. Bit unusual. Slightly down on her luck, private detective Jill Fitzpatrick takes on a new case. A uni student called Mickey has gone missing and her well-off suburbanite parents will pay Jill discreetly to find her. Jill chases Mickey's trail through the streets of Melbourne and Sydney, becoming passionately and dangerously entangled in Mickey's poetry professor, Diana. Mm -hmm. So this book strongly echoes the American tradition of hard-boiled and noir crime fiction, transposed into a distinctively Australian setting. This sparsely worded novel is saturated, saturated, in what Porter called the big juicy themes, sex and death. The verse arrangement and Porter's poetic style lends it an intimacy and intensity that I personally find singularly compelling. An international bestseller, it won the Age Book of the Year for Poetry in 1994, the year it was published, the National Book Council Award for Poetry, and the Braille Book of the Year. Which is fascinating. That's interesting, isn't it? I wonder how poetry translates into Braille. I reckon it could be really amazing. I know. There's, like It's so sensual. Textural, yeah. I love it. The book's also been adapted to stage, radio, and film, translated into other languages, and published overseas, including in the US, UK, and Canada. 
So it's unusual for a lesbian book to become so, so popular. Yeah, and so widely translated and, and an adapted. Australian poetry book. Yeah, yeah. So Dorothy Porter herself cuts an interesting figure. Mm. Um, she herself reported being very surprised by the success of this book. She wrote The Monkey's Mask in 1994, and for many people I think this is probably the only work of hers that they know. Or they maybe think that this is her first work. Mm. Um, in fact, it's much easier to understand Porter's confusion because this was certainly not her first published work. It wasn't even her first published verse novel. Porter was writing and publishing collections of poetry from 1975, um, which is well before I was born. And only just before I was born, only one year before I was born. <laughs> so we feel the same. Yeah. <laughs> and um, as she, like many, I guess, many struggling poets, she worked as a teacher for 20 mm. years before, you know, writing and publishing poetry all the time. But for 20 years, she worked and... Corrected <laughs> young children's grammar. That's right. Would have just been annoying. <laughs> um, before she had commercial success with this book. Um, and she was also very proud that she never accepted a single arts grant. Which is a fascinating co- a whole other conversation, but that in itself is quite fascinating. Yeah. It is. And I think, you know, you see in this book um, how how she felt about the Australian poetry scene, but we might touch on yeah. that a little bit later as well. Yep. And then suddenly, at the, at the oddest time, really, she burst out of the relatively small sphere of the Australian poetry world um, to achieve widespread acclaim and, and mainstream success. To understand what an odd time this was for Porter to have a breakout success, you have to remember that this was the same year that Tasmania finally legalised homosexuality after stubbornly holding out for really way too long. And it's easy to forget that, that this book, in all of its yeah grandeur, was happening at that time. Hmm. Yeah, And have it been so successful, so that your dichotomous existence in Australia of having this book that was all about lesbian eroticism really <laughs> at the same time as one of our states was actually deciding oh maybe those gays are okay maybe we don't need to put them in jail <laughs> maybe the gays are okay that's right and she must have been writing this book at the same time as this very public very homophobic toxic debate, debate yeah. was being you know broadcast across the country yeah so she definitely you know it's only 600 kilometers south from where she was writing yeah it's a very interesting environment for it to happen Mm. and of this time some of you may have seen last year um during the plebiscite hannah gadsby had a facebook post that went viral Mm. about her experiences growing up in tasmania at this time of which she said i learned that i was subhuman during a debate where only the most horrible voices and ideas were amplified by the media it's terrifying isn't it it is and i think it's really it's terrible and it is fascinating that those two things could be happening at the same time. Mm, absolutely. Mm. Um, and Porter herself, she, she just has continuously expressed her bemusement um, about what happened with The Monkey's Mask. She said in an interview later in her life, The Monkey's Mask, the book for which I couldn't even find a publisher, suddenly becomes a film, a play, and the BBC has just done a radio dramatisation of it in London. I admit at times I have deliberately done things to make money, but The Monkey's Mask I wrote for the sheer hell of it. She's the original J.K. Rowling. (laughs) Right there, don't you think? That is an interesting way of thinking. (laughs) Maybe not the original, but like the 90s version. She's an original, all right. I love her. Um... And, and I think that what really comes through as well is that she was passionate in her belief that everyone could and should enjoy poetry, that 
um, rather than being this kind of academic, smart-ass pursuit for highly mm. educated people to prove how intelligent they were, it should be something that everyone can connect to. Yeah. And that's what she sat down to achieve when she wrote this book because she also said, I thought people would find it strange and confronting, and I was wrong. <laughs> I do think that there is a hunger for poetry in the community. Poetry that connects, definitely. Not poetry that kind of alienates and I think confuses. that's yeah what a lot of poetry does doesn't it is you kind of read and go what the hell is that all about but this you know what it's about yeah there was definitely hunger for this book yeah the AB, I found this amazing 730 report transcript from 1999 that said that Australians had bought at that time an unprecedented 12,000 copies of the novel mm. which was 12 to 24 times what the average poetry collection or book would sell and the ABC credited Porter with pretty much single-handedly prompting a comeback for Australian mm. poetry. That's a pretty awesome thing to be remembered for, to be known for. It's pretty amazing. It is, and I think it's really a testament to how she was obviously making a national mainstream impact with this novel. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, making... yeah. You big. can't overstate it, really. No, you can't, no. Um, but, you know, so we've said this, but she was also a highly academic, highly educated person. Um, and her work is densely peppered with references to, like, mythology, history and uh, intertextuality, uh, to Neil's favourite word that she always <laughs> says my to me. My favourite word. My favourite word is moist. Oh, no. <laughs> Stop the show. Intertextuality is really cool, but moist is my favourite oh, word. Oh, God, never say it again. Moist. Oh. <laughs> um, an example of how, um, I guess, how much she loves literature and literature herself mm. um, is that the title of the book, The Monkey's Mask, is, I found out after a lot of research, a reference to a haiku by 1600s Japanese master poet Basho, whose name I probably just absolutely destroyed. Apologies. <laughs> Basho. Um, Thank you. That's how you'd say it. That seems yeah. legit. Yeah. Who once wrote that there was a time when I was fascinated with the ways of homosexual love. <laughs> I think it's really interesting when you read some of uh, Porter's work and particularly the nonfiction piece that she wrote that mm. was published after her death on passion. Mm. She had a real connection and had obviously really researched historical homosexual literature. Yep. Yeah, it's fascinating. And she felt very connected to and fascinated by gay men as well. Yeah, that comes to a lot in her other work. Not so much. Well, there's a little bit of, yeah, there's a little touch of it in this one. But yeah, in her other works, it comes right through. Yeah, I think I remember her saying that she felt like lesbians got a bit ripped off. Yeah. Like <laughs> We still do. I know. <laughs> That's why you we're know, here. Gay men, you know, we're all marginalised, but gay men get like culture and more kind of like free love and sexual liberation and yeah. it's all a bit more exciting and passionate. She really perceived that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. That she wished she was a gay man. <laughs> I feel like a lot of us have thought that at one time or another. Yeah. <laughs> um, You've got the haiku, haven't you? I do, and it's translated into English, which I feel like probably strips it a lot of of a lot of the magic, but um, the English translation that I found was year after year on the monkey's face, a monkey's mask. Phew. <laughs> Interesting. I think it might have lost a bit. I think so. It's a little bit simple, but <laughs> no. at the same time. I think the sentiment's there, yeah. You think about that one. Yeah. Think about it. It's always there. <laughs> I love this book. This is an amazing book. It's so exciting. There's so much in here. It is. I think it's a real gateway drug for... 
Porter oh, as well. Definitely. If you read this, it's very accessible. It's very quick. Yeah. You can read it in half an hour if you're a quick reader, an hour if you're yeah. not. Um, mm. Unless you get really sucked in and then you might gaze at one poem for like oh, two days. Absolutely. And just, just drink it in. Oh, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but yeah, once you read this, you'll never go back. That's my experience. Absolutely. So... To give some context to what we're talking about in the rest of the show, a relatively well-known quote of Porter's has been this. Poetry is like sex. You can't fake it. So we'll be discussing the impact of this book and her body of work on depictions of women's and lesbian sexuality soon. Um, and she was also deeply inspired by music. She talked a lot about music, how it influenced her growing up. Mm. Um, I think she was really into rock and roll. Yeah. She felt like it was raw and it was visceral. I think that really comes through as well. Absolutely. She's like, it's the rock and roll of poetry. Yeah, this is kind of that kind of that time, that sort of late 60s, early 70s, when it was this kind of mash of rock and free love. Like, it's, there's definitely something really quite, yeah, visceral in that. Yeah, yeah. And she commented many in many interviews over the years about how music had impassioned her. So we know that that was true. Mm. Um, but she was a very diverse writer. So she didn't just write poetry and verse novels. Um, she wrote children's novels quite mm. a bit. And she also wrote song lyrics and chamber opera libretti. I'm not an opera person. I don't really know that what that is. That seems hard. It sounds very impressive. Uh, and today we've we've written our one in response, haven't we? We have. We've no, run- we have No. <laughs> I was completely willing to agree to that. (laughs) Okay, no haikus. It'll be librettis from now on. (laughs) I think libretti is the plural, but um, yeah. yeah. We clearly understand what's going on. We have written haikus, so we'll be reading those to you later and you can laugh at us. It's a thing. Mm -hmm. And Mm. she was collaborating on a rock opera at the time of her death, which is amazing. Wow. What did you think? So you've read this book before as well. I've read this book many times. The first time was in 1994. Wow. As a prescribed text at university. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So the year that it came out, it was prescribed to you at university? It was. What were you studying at the time? I was studying creative writing. (laughs) (laughs) Was Dorothy Porter known to you before the book came out? No. No, she wasn't. So not before that book came out. But then that book was just, you know, it's one of those things. It Kind of like the first time you read Sex in the Cherry. Although most people with Jeanette Winterson read Orange is the Only Fruit. But uh, for me it was Sex in the Cherry. Um, But yeah, and then you start and then you just dive in. So it's beautiful. So how did you feel about it? Can you tell me a bit more about how you felt? Because you haven't yeah. told me that. How did you feel I know, at the time? We've been not talking about it apart from you love it. Uh, at the time, <laughs> at the time uh, when I read it, it was one of those things. Um, I read it at the same time. I'd just come out as well. Really? So i just come out. Um, and was and this just after you'd moved down from Cairns? Yeah, yeah. Moved out of home. Uh, first year of uni, um, had come out. Yeah, it was, you wow. know, it was a really cool time. Um, and, yeah, read Monkey's Mask as part of a, a uni subject. Um, and it was one of those things. So we were studying poetry, um, but it was really exciting because it was, you know, to get sort of issued with this text that was just like perfectly in the pocket for me. So for me, um, I've always I've always loved literature. And literature, now, literature. <laughs> um, so for me, I've I've really always appreciated poetry as well. So to be able to read um, something that was in es- essence, I mean, a verse novel is just it was mind blowing. It was the first time I'd read a verse novel um, as well. So it was just 
an amazing experience and every single one of these poems is just beautiful on their own. But to have these two stories being intertwined as you go along was such a magical experience. And like you said, you can read it so quickly. And I remember I read it in like an hour, an hour and a half the first time. Um, But it's one of those things that you go back and you just keep reading it because it's so beautiful. Um, and you don't you don't worry about being spoilt because you're just so wrapped up in the language. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I just thought it was just sensational. Oh, mm. I agree. I feel like I'm being taken away. I'm like gazing into the distance as you're talking. <laughs> like yes, yes, I agree. <laughs> the yep. format I think is really notable. Mm. I, it's certainly not like the first verse novel. It's a traditional form, the verse novel. Yeah, but still, we don't get a lot of mainstream exposure to it. No, not anymore. Not anymore. I mean, it's a it's a kind of a um, I think it's technically quite a challenging thing to do as well. So to write anything or to write any kind of creative work um, and to, to be able to tell stories and to develop characters and uh, and that sort of thing is hard. Mm. Um, but to then be able to do that and then but to do it just with verse is really, really clever. Um and to do it in a way that it's not just that that each of these each of these poems on its own is, is an amazing piece of work, which it is. But the style that she writes in changes when it needs to change as well. So you're getting all of these extra layers of emotion and perspective all the way throughout this this book. I mean, she I mean she writes. Um, She's not only writing as her main character, but she then also has a couple of bits where she's writing as some of the other characters. So the style within that has, I mean, she's writing in three different styles. It's mm-hmm. amazing. It's it is a, a truly amazing thing. And all of the stuff that you talked about in terms of the comments that it was making on, um, you know, the poetry scene in Australia at the time and the squabbles over grants and, you know, who's getting them, who's not getting them. And then, you know, just these little bits that the idea of going to a poetry reading, they're meant to read for 10 minutes and the guy's still up there an hour hour later and the wine and the wine and all the wine Uh Uh, (laughs) which is so true (laughs) mm, it's such an interesting maybe you can speak to this I don't know but um when I was reading the book I thought she's got such a sense of humor Mm. um and it's not by any means a central part of the book and it's not even like it's not like it's a subplot but it just sort of under underruns underwrites everything and when you know of course you know she's a poet yeah and she's writing about the australian poetry scene from the point of view of a character who's totally not impressed Doesn't give you know an, ex-cop, <laughs> <laughs> an ex-cop private detective mm. jill's like this is ridiculous these people are so up themselves you know yeah. i've got real stuff to do this is boring and yeah. really looking at them as an outsider and saying what the hell yeah. are you doing yeah uh, it's really funny to see those perspectives. She sends up the poetry scene just mercilessly. Just in, even the characterizations of the two main poets. And then even her friend, the l- character Lou, you know, this kind of hippie poet who keeps getting rejected for a grant. It's just, <laughs> it's really funny, but it's actually really beautiful at the same time, this friendship that comes about because, yeah, there's no, there are no flies on Jill. She is a straight up kind of person. Yeah. Um, for her to be thrown into this world is really difficult. But then also not just thrown into the world at that sort of like elite level, but she's actually, you know, um, trying to find out what happened to a young poetess mm, <laughs> whose poetry is like poet. yeah so cringeworthy yeah. in parts and so angsty um but for a writer to be able to capture that and to not lose her her voice as well is really really remarkable it's very deft and I think that she 
she's obviously drawing on her own history because she's I think she said she started she felt like she truly became a poet when she was 16 she started writing poetry yeah. she really thought was poetry this is Porter and if you read she I think she published one of the poems from that time later as a retrospective yeah. and it's about it's really really good actually it makes you feel inadequate <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but it's about being burnt at the stake as a witch Wow. And you can really feel that kind of teenage yeah. angst. It's really good. The absolute feelings, yeah. Well, yeah, I think that really comes through when she writes as Mickey mm. in this story, that kind of Desperation. undeveloped but very overwhelming emotion. Yeah. It's sort of moving and you feel sad at the same time. Absolutely. No, it's a it's a, a, a fantastic ride for anyone. And this is the thing that I think is so amazing is that even though it's it's very technical and it's very well executed and it is so accessible like anyone could read this and understand exactly what's going on um and be be pulled along for the ride but but to not feel um i guess affronted by the pretentiousness of what is this poetry scene so for her to have that kind of intertextual play <laughs> um and then to be credited as single-handedly bringing back australian poetry is really a bizarre kind of thing and and i was reading a um a thesis actually that um someone wrote about it looking at um the monkey's mask being this sort of pivotal text when we talk about Australian postmodernism mm -hmm. because it takes this high art form in poetry and it smashes it into this crime thriller sort of genre. It becomes quite this almost pulpy. Um, so it's this completely accessible thriller in this high art for art form. It's, it's great. It is, absolutely. And I think obviously it appeals to everybody. Yeah. And yeah, it's just fantastic. I mean, we we're talking so much about the form, but you don't even notice when you're reading it. It's, yeah. it's absolutely not about the form. Like it's, it's when so you read ambient. when you go back and you read it, I think you kind of go, "Wow, that was so beautiful the way that was done." Yeah, cuz mm. I reread it like every year minimum. Ah, uh, it's, your, it's your annual. Yeah, I go back to it time and time again. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, you you notice something new every time and different poems jump out at you depending on like what mood you're in and what's going on in your life. Yeah. It really, it's so easy to connect with. It is. And I think because it does kind of run that gamut of emotions as well. So we, you know, we start out and we get this sense of Jill being this kind of, you know, she's all right on her own. She's tough, but you know, she's still kind of, you know, scared and that, that beautiful first poem when she talks mm. about that. Um, and then, you know, she kind of falls for this woman and then, you know, she's just in, you know, just completely head over heels and smitten and and just going off on this crazy little ride and we kind of almost forget that she's a detective for yeah. a while um but then she comes back and there's revenge and betrayal and it's it does kind of take you on a, a ride of the emotions it and that's really does fun it's a wild yeah. ride absolutely mm. i mean like what what was it sex and death the big juicy things the big juicy ones that's what it's it is juicy it's very juicy <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> I got a little distracted by that actually. You I was did. like, hmm. Alice <laughs> just started staring way past me <laughs> into the distance. <laughs> it is great. It mm. is. It is. I'm trying to stay mentally on track thinking about the book. I just think that everyone should read it. It's such a small time commitment and it's just, it's beautiful. It's an experience and it really sucks you in. Yeah. Like, because it's interesting. You say that when you first read it, you whipped through it. 
I think it actually took me quite a while to read it the first time, not because it mm. is a long time to read, it really isn't, but because I really wanted to, once I started reading it, read the first few poems, I really wanted to, to enjoy it. Yeah. Mm. I really wanted to not let it slip by because I knew the first time I read it would be a bit special. Yeah, I, I completely understand. And in hindsight, <laughs> <laughs> but I was very young. How old were you when you first read it? Um, I was probably 19 or 20. Yeah, I was 18 yeah, yeah 18. that's young it is it is it's an, yeah it's an interesting time but I think you know at the end of the day we it was selected in in our top 16 lesbian books because amazing lesbian character yeah amazing lesbian character who explores what it's like to be a non-traditional female um we, we're talking about butch um, subculture we're talking about working um, class yeah work absolutely working class subcultures but we're also talking about that lesbian desire um, and female desire and really um really specific lesbian sex yeah can't wait to talk to you about that in a moment <laughs> i know so, you have a lot really to great. say mm, always <laughs> but yeah i mean yes it's if you're a lesbian, you have to read this book because it's just an amazing, yep. amazing depiction of, of a lesbian character. But it really, it's it's amazing how accessible it is. Like, my mother is a fan. Yeah. Yeah, and wow. she's like the straightest woman you'll ever meet. <laughs> she loves it. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. What would you say? Uh, I would say if you have not, well, if, you just need to keep reading. It's one of those books that you can just keep going back to. And um, as a lesbian, as a lesbian in Australia – um, if you were alive in the 90s, you just feel it. It's, you know, it's very real. Um, yeah. And, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm kind of um, lucky, I guess, in the sense that I, you know, I was in that very art scene at the time when I was writing. I mean, yes, at university, which kind of puts me in the Mickey kind of camp. <laughs> but, um, but at the same time, you know, you kind of feel very sophisticated when you're in that scene. So to read this, it's kind of a bit of a mirror as well. So I really, really enjoyed – every time I've read it, I've enjoyed it. I've never read it and gone, oh, yeah, it was okay. It's, it's one of those books that you keep coming back to and every time you read it, it's exciting. And you know how I feel. I don't have to say it a million no. times, <laughs> yeah. although I will. The words could get – we could make bigger words for you to <laughs> express it. Please do. I think that's what's required. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I just love it so much. I think no one could read it and not get no. something out of it. So go read her. Read her. And this book is super accessible as well. So if you need to find it, if you haven't read it – I, most libraries will stock it so you can get it for free that way or a lot of mainstream bookshops mm. will stock it. And actually for Dorothy Porter, pretty much all of her published poetry um, is actually available on the um, Australian Poetry Register. Yeah, So online, free of charge. Free online. So I actually um, read this again on the bus, on the train home one day, just online. Amazing. So you can find it anywhere you Easy. should. There's no excuse not to read None. her. You can find more Joycasts and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au.